Hello and welcome to season one, episode one of Radical Christianity. I'm your host, Christian Hamby, and I'm so thrilled that you guys have decided to tune in and check out this podcast. Hopefully, uh, it'll go well and uh, you will continue to tune in and this podcast will continue to grow. I want to start off uh, with a word of prayer and then I will talk a little bit about myself and why I started this podcast and then we'll move into the meat of the podcast. So if you would uh, join me in a time as we approach God's throne of grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to delve into your word, to learn more about you, to worship you through our study of you and and our communion with you. I pray, Father, that your spirit would be upon me as I share the good news of the gospel, as I strive to teach and minister to these listeners. Father, I am helpless without you. Um, So I just pray, God, that you would give me the grace to impart the words that you have to speak through me. I pray that you would grant the listeners grace to hear and to receive your word and for all of us to apply it to our lives, that we may become more like Christ and that we would go out and share the love of Christ and the good news of Christ. In everything we do, Lord, may we honor and glorify you with every breath that we take. May we point others to the cross of Christ. Father, now as we move into our time together, may you be honored and glorified. May may Jesus be magnified and may lives be changed. In Jesus' holy and precious name I pray. Amen. So a little bit about me. Uh, I am a 24-year-old living in Bluffton, South Carolina. I went to the University of uh, South Carolina in Columbia, and I studied in journalism and mass communications. I graduated in May 2019, and I Got a job out of college working for my dad at his office of chiropractic in Rinkin, Georgia, just outside of Savannah. Uh, I worked there as the SEO director and content creator of Hamby Chiropractic and Wellness. Um, feel free to go to www.hambychiro.com and check out our website. We have a Facebook page, Twitter page, LinkedIn, Instagram account, a blog called uh, Health, Wellness, and Restoration, and a podcast called Chiropractic Junkie. If you're in, interested in any of that, go to our website. Again, it's www.hambychiro.com, and you can check all that stuff out. Be sure to like and follow us. Uh, it's not just about chiropractic. We talk about the uh, health and wellness, dieting, exercise, lifestyle. So uh, I got hired at Hitcher Mark Media and worked there for a few months before I resigned due to a lack of work. I then got hired at um, a startup marketing agency called Your Local Marketing Team. However, the coronavirus 
uh, caused our company to fail. And I find myself looking for employment. And really, I've been spending my time studying and reading and learning. And I've and and actually through my uh, experience of podcasting with my dad, I decided to, with, with much prayer, decided to start a Christian podcast. And really, another key motivating motivator for me was the death of Ravi Zacharias. Uh, that man lived such a great life and impacted so many people. And while I don't have the uh, degrees and the knowledge and wisdom that Ravi Zacharias had, I, I felt the call to fulfill the Great F- Commission and share the good news of the gospel through technology. And so that's what I'm striving to do with this podcast. And on this podcast, we're going to be studying uh, things like God's plan of salvation. We're going to be looking into deeper into the Bible, um, you know, with things like biblical doctrine and overview. We're going to be talking about various world religions. We're going to be talking about uh, Christian books that I'm currently reading that I would like to share with you guys and encourage you to read. you know, I might uh, talk about sermons that I listen to and feel like you guys would benefit from. And of course, uh, you know, later on, we might take re- I might take requests and, and answer questions or have guests and stuff like that. So we're going to have a lot to talk about and cover on this podcast. But you know, one thing that it's going to revolve around. It's, it's always going to come back to Christ because he is the center of it all. And the, the, the mission and goal and vision of this podcast is to honor and glorify him as King and Lord and Savior. So with that said, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the meat of this episode. The first episode is God's plan of salvation. I could not think of any better way to start season one, episode one, than to cover God's plan of salvation. Uh, I do have my Bible here with me. It's the ESV study Bible. So if you hear me flipping through pages, uh, don't, you know, I hope that's not too distracting, but I do have to flip pages and I might be, uh, you know, going to. Uh, different sections of scriptures at times. So just bear with me through that. Uh, So let's go ahead and get started. A troubled jailer in the first century once asked two Christian leaders, what must I do to be saved? And if you want to read this story more in depth, just go to Acts chapter 16, verse 30. And this is in fact the most important question that anyone can ask. We are troubled not only by the evils of our world, but also by our own faults. And we often feel guilty for those words and deeds that our own consciences tell us are wrong. And we most likely sense that we deserve God's judgment, not His favor. So the question is, what can be done? And and a better question is, What has already been done to rescue us from our helpless state? Uh, 
So to begin to answer that question, we're going to look at an overview of God's plan, His work to bring salvation, followed by a more detailed unpacking of these truths. So to start out this overview, we need to take a look at creation. God made this world and all that it is in it. Genesis 1.1 and verse 27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And he created human beings to be like him and to have unhindered fellowship and communion with him. And when his work of creation was finished, he saw that it was very good. Genesis 1.31 But shortly after creation, man fell. Man rebelled in his free will against God. Although the first people God created, Adam and Eve, had complete freedom to live in friendship and trust with God, they chose to rebel. And you can read the story of the rebellion in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Let's go, let me go ahead and turn there and read that for you. So I'm going to turn to Genesis 3 and read verses 1 through 7. Starting in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Eve, God, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And if you're interested, you can go and read that portion of Scripture yourself. Um, but that is the main account of the fall of mankind. And because God designed that Adam would represent the entire human race, his sin was catastrophic not only for him, but for us. One trespass led to the condemnation for all men, Romans 5.18 says. Our fellowship with God was broken. Instead of enjoying his holy pleasure, we instead face his righteous wrath. Though through this sin, we all died spiritually, and the entire world has been affected. God also cursed the world over which humanity had been set to reign as his lieutenant. Uh, and, we will, and, we, uh, and we will all individually sin against God in our own lives, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when Adam and Eve fell, they just didn't fall. They drug the world and all humankind with them, and we have been separ and, and separated us from communion, direct communion and relationship with God. 
But that's not the end of the story. We move now into redemption. God would have been perfectly just to leave matters there, with all human beings under his holy judgment, but he didn't. God instead set in motion his plan to save his people from sin and judgment and set free the entire creation from its subjugation to sin and the curse. How, you ask? By sending his son, Jesus Christ, as a true man who would bear the penalty of our sin and die in our place. The best known verse in the Bible summarizes the required response to the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that who would ever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 To believe in Jesus includes both a wholehearted trust in him for forgiveness of sins and a decision to forsake one's sin or to repent. All who truly repent or turn from their sins and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins will be redeemed. Mark 1.15 And restored to a right relationship with God. To believe in Jesus also requires relating to and putting trust in Jesus as he truly is not just a man in ancient history, but also a living Savior today who knows our hearts and hears our prayers. So we brings us to the consummation of this plan. God not only rescues lost sinners, but he restores all of creation. We read in Romans 8.21, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtained and obtain the redemption of the glory of the children of God. The heavens and the earth will pass away and be radically transformed. And to learn more about this transformation, you can read 2 Peter 3, 7 through 13, Revelations or Revelation 21. One. I'm not going to read that, but if you care, but when you have free time, check those two uh, portions of Scripture out for yourself. We read of the glorious culmination of this book of Revelation, where God's people, the redeemed, are brought into the presence of God to live. This is life as it should be, literally as it was meant to be. So God's salvation plan has yet to be completed because Christ has not yet come back to take his church home with him and to create a new heaven and earth where we will dwell with him as co-heirs for all eternity. That is the final piece of the salvation plan that is yet to be fulfilled. But if you read the news and and and... and Take a glance at the world today. You can tell that prophecies are still being fulfilled and that the times are getting closer and closer for Christ's return. So let's fill in some of these details so that we can get a deeper understanding and comprehension of what's being said. Let's first take a deeper look at God himself. The God of the Bible is the one and only true God. He is the greatest of all beings. He depends on no other being for his existence. He exists eternally as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a mystery beyond our understanding, but it is not a contradiction. He plans and acts according to his own good pleasure. He works with things according to the counsel of his will. 
And God created the world and acts in it today in accordance with his own perfect, holy, good, and loving plan in accordance with his good pleasure. In the same way that God, that this perfectly good God created everything according to his own purposes, so he has acted to save people who have rebelled against him. This action, too, is not because of anything external compelling him, but it is according to his great mercy that he has caused us to be born again to live to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1, 3. So that is God in a few sentences. Now, that does not do God justice, not even close, but that's a good starting point. Now let's take a deeper look at us, mankind. People are made in the image of God. For more on this, check out Genesis 1, verses 27 through 28. But what does it mean to be in the image of God? In part, it means that we are privileged to act as God's representatives, as sub-rulers over God's creation, subduing creatures of the earth, reflecting God's good rule over us. Our authority is derived in and from God, and it's meant to reflect His own, but beyond function, Being in God's image also means that we are like God in many ways. We're not gods. We are like God. Like God, we are spiritual and rational beings. Like God, we communicate and establish relationships. And like God, our souls endure eternally. However, the Bible teaches that there has been an enduring effect of the sin of Adam and Eve recorded in Genesis 3. Because of that sin, we are born morally fallen. We are naturally turned away from God and towards sin in every area of life. We are now all sinners and we sin in all areas of life. Romans 3.23. That's the if you wanna if you want to read more about what I just said, check out Romans 3.23. We are corrupted and make the wrong choices every day. We are not holy and are in fact inclined to do evil. We do not love God, and therefore we are under just condemnation to eternal ruin without defense or excuse. We are guilty of sinning against God, fallen from His favor, and under the curse of sin. And the promise of His right and just judgment on us in the future and forever is guaranteed to us. This is the state from which we all need to be saved. Now that we understand God and man and our relationship to each other, let's look at the most important connecting piece, Jesus Christ himself. It was Christ then, it was then when all human beings were desperate and helpless that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Fully God. Jesus, the Son of God, who was etern- who has eternally existed with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and who was eternally pos- possessed all the attributes of God, became a man. He was born of, as Jesus of the Virgin Mary. The Son entered this world with the purpose. He came to give us life as a, his life as a ransom for many, which means he came to redeem us from our from sin and guilt. He was not an unwitting or unwilling sacrifice. He followed his father's will. 
through though now fully human, he was also fully God through the time of his life on earth and remains fully God to this day. Jesus himself clearly taught his deity in the way he fulfilled prophecy, which was associated with the coming of God himself. Jesus forgave sins, he accepted worship, and he taught, I, the, I and the Father are one. And if he did, and if he was a liar or a crazy man and wasn't truly fully God, then he, what he was doing, accepting worship, uh, would be seen as uh, blasphemy. He lived a perfect life. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. Indeed, all his actions were as they should be. His words were perfect. He said only what the Father commanded. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. John 12, 50. He did only what the Father willed. So the writer of the Hebrews concludes, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrew 4.15. Jesus lived the life of consistent, wholehearted love to the Father that we were called to live. We should have, and that we should have lived. He deserved no punishment from God because he never disobeyed God. Teaching. Jesus came to teach God's truth, especially about himself. He taught the truth about God, about his relationship with God the Father, about our sin, about what he had come to do, and about what we must do in response. He explained that the scriptures of the Old Testament were about him. And to learn more about that, check out Luke 24, chapter 24, verse, 30, verse, verse 44. His crucifixion. God sent his son especially to die for us. This is how God has shown his love for us. Christ gave his life as a ransom for us. By his death, he paid the penalty of our sin. Jesus Christ's crucifixion was a horrible act of violence by the people who rejected, sentenced, mocked, tortured, and crucified him. And yet it was also a display of the self-giving love of God as the Son of God bore the penalty of God's wrath against us for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, and he shall one day return. On the third day after his crucifixion, Jesus was raised from the dead by God. This demonstrated an acceptance of Christ's service and his ministry and specifically showed God's acceptance of his sacrifice for all those who would repent and believe. He ascended to heaven and will come in the same way as you saw him go in, into heaven. Acts 1.11 Christ's return will bring God's plan of salvation to completion. Now, as we have looked at God and man and our Savior Jesus Christ, how should we respond? So if God has done this in Christ, what are we to do to be saved? We must turn to God in Christ, which entails turning from our sin. If we repent or decide to forsake and turn from our sin, as best we understand, and trust in Christ as a living person, we will be saved from God's righteous wrath against our sin. This response of repentance and faith or trust in Christ can be explained in more detail. Turn to God. 
We must turn to God. In the Old Testament, God commands people to turn or return to Him to be saved. In the New Testament, Christ preached that people should turn to God. To repent means to turn. And the turning of what we are called to do in order to be saved is fundamentally a turning to God. To turn to God in this sense in the Bible is to orient your life towards someone. As God's people, those who are being saved, we are to play the part of the prodigal son who, though conscious of sin, guilt, and folly, flees to the father. And to read the story on the prodigal son, be sure to check out Luke chapter 15, verse 20. When we repent, we turn to God and henceforth know Him as the God who forgives our sin and accepts us for Christ's sake. Turning to God necessarily implies our turning away from our sin. We're acknowledging God's name and turning from our sins. We cannot start to pursue God and sin at the same time. We must believe and trust. Put another way, our response is to believe and trust God's promises in Christ and to commit ourselves to Christ, the living war, Lord, as his disciples. Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe in the gospel. That is our calling. The obedience that typifies God's people, being beginning with repentance, is to result from the faith and trust we have in him and his word. Having faith in Christ, which seals our union with Him through the Holy Spirit, is the means by which God accounts Christ's righteousness as our own. Now that we have responded, we must continue to grow in godliness and battle for holiness. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing things you want to do. Galatians five seventeen. God's gift of salvation has been given to Christians, but the evidence of that salvation is lived out in the continual work of God's Spirit. We can deceive ourselves, and so Paul encourages us to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Peter encourages Christians to grow in guidelines and so become more confident in their election. 2 Peter chapter 1 we don't create our own salvation by our actions, but we reflect and respect and express it and so grow in our certainty for it. Because we Christians are liable to deceive ourselves, we should give ourselves to the study of God's word to be instructed and encouraged in our salvation and to learn what is inconsistent with it. Jesus' description of his followers or Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit's work in us Act as spiritual maps that help us locate ourselves to see if we are on the path of salvation. And in the end, the, res God, the result in God's plan is our salvation. He has brought us unto himself. Christians experience salvation in the life in both a past and present sense, and we anticipate salvation in a future sense. 
Christians have been saved from the penalty of our sins. We are currently being saved from the power of our sins. And one day when God's plan of salvation is completed, we and we are with Christ, we shall be like him and we shall be saved even from the very presence of sin. That is God's plan of salvation. Even so, come Lord Jesus. All right, that wraps it up for today, everybody. Thank you again for checking out this podcast. I hope that you will come back for more. Next week's episode, we're going to be diving into biblical doctrine and looking at the overview, starting with truth theology, knowing and loving God. Until then, have a blessed uh, uh, week, month, uh, and may you uh, continue to walk in the strength and might and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as you strive to humbly obey him. Father, thank you for this time. We pray for, that it that you that your spirit would take these words and use them to change lives and to bring those who are do not know you to know you. Help us to be obedient and to live a, in, a, in a manner according to your will and purpose and plan in a way that honors Christ. In Jesus' holy and precious name I pray. Amen.